0: Welcome to Joyfield and Jesus Led. I'm your host Tony Daniel sharing real life stories and practical tools that not only let you know you're not alone, but also help you become the emotional spiritual ninja warrior you were created to be. We're in a series on resourcing the relational revolution, where you're hearing from different people and organizations that have been fueling the value shifts that are helping people to rediscover church as healthy heart-to-heart connection. Today, the interview with Dr. Wilder gets weighty as he breaks down for us the key to ending the polarization we find in the church today. What's necessary in order for Christians to stay relational with other Christians, even when they seem to have different opinions or they seem to be filled with fear, anger, or even hate for people who think differently than them? When soul murder as Wilder calls it, is encouraged within some church context, how do we not see those Christians as enemies and shut down on them? How do we stay relational? This one is very weighty and very important in our conversation in this relational revolution and helping to resource it. So I hope you enjoy it. So a question on that, on that um, theme somewhat, Um, I've had, you know, Luke 10 has, we've got leaders all over the world and many of them, of course, um, think the United States, they're very fascinated with the United States Christian response to all these things and um, Mm -hmm. embarrassed in some ways. And and you've talked about this in, in other books as well, but I get, I get our people writing into me often saying, Tony, how do I stay relational and stay out of enemy mode? When I'm with Christians who are in enemy mode, um, you know, and are polarized politically and are very filled with hate, um, that's when they actually get into enemy mode, right? It's like...
1: Right, right. That's very <laughs> contagious. It's nothing like being around people in enemy mode to push you into say, oh, I'm going to make them lose.
0: Yeah. So, um, with people who have been church wounded, of course, you know, we work with a lot of them. We work mostly with people who are almost healed from that and ready to reconstruct what, what church can be. Right. But there right. are a huge movement of 30 somethings now coming that, um, are coming out of that. And, um, and they're still, they're still there, right. They're still learning their skills oh, and yeah. they're still figuring it out, but man, we get, we get in it fast. First of all, I appreciate that you're saying the goal isn't to never get in it. So love oh, that, that phrase. Um, yeah. we're not saying stay out of enemy mode. We're saying escaping it because you yep. can't just stay out of it. So mm-hmm. amen. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm.
0: No shame for any of us there. Um not
1: super easy to get in enemy mode. But mm-hmm. how
0: do you recommend when it's our brothers, supposedly brothers and sisters, and some actually it is our family members, right? Oh, yeah, really. If we are there. Mm-hmm. And yet we're called to hold on to our own relational status, as you're saying almost, and be able to somehow stay out of enemy mode in those environments. And I know you wrote a whole book on it, so you could say, read the book, but like, Uh,
1: I could, but practically
0: uh, speaking, how do you personally do it in the moment? I mean, I want to go that practical.
1: Yeah. Well, here's the thing. You see that, uh, we wrote the book, but we also wrote the book to non-Christians, right? So there are some Christian ways to stay out of enemy mode. We didn't actually touch in the book at all. And uh, here's the the thing that we've noticed: people in enemy mode lose their interactive connection with God. Hmm. So, wow. uh, you know, and, and so people um, will say, "Well, well, what if they really are enemies?" I said, "Well, <laughs> you think God was just making up the term for fantasy?" <laughs> You no, know, no, this is where we're actually working. People who really think they're our enemies, uh, maybe would kill us if they could. Um, uh, you know. Yeah. Uh and um uh, mm. I love the uh what Dallas Willard used to say about uh, the Sermon on the Mount, the expression anyone who says to your brother uh Racha, which is he translated you twit, huh. uh Jesus says has already committed murder. and and so um dallas's point on that was that it's soul murder we're attacking and murdering the other person's soul or well-being or basically their status as a human being so Mm. uh, we should those are people get us the maddest and the fastest you know they come out and they do a little soul murder on us and it's like well i'm going to show you how stupid you are uh, or whatever we're going to do withdraw you know but uh, jesus said we should expect that and that's what the world is about right so if uh, the Christian mm-hmm. perspective that we don't really have any human enemies. We just have people who think they are. Um, but that's because they are not the person God meant them to be, right? Anyone who's the, being the person that God meant them to be won't want to kill our soul. Yeah. They will yeah. not be that. There, There's a better self inside that has not often well, let's say, often hasn't even been imagined, let alone seen. Mm -hmm. So when Saul of Tarsus is killing Stephen, uh, he is not imagining himself to be a missionary who's writing scriptures. (laughs) It just isn't in there, but it was there in God's mind, right? So, if we can stay connected to God, which enemy mode disconnects us, if we can stay connected to God, God, we can see what he's doing right in the moment. Like when we started this broadcast, let's connect with God and see what he's doing. Now, if you and I, either of us stay in enemy mode with each other over some topic, and I'm sure we could try to find some topic to do it, but I'm not interested, <laughs> um, the You know, it would be at that moment, we're now disconnected from God's mind. We are not thinking what he's thinking. And I'm not seeing in you what God's trying to create. Mm. Mm. And so uh, the the number one answer for Christians is if we spend practice, if we practice connecting with God and trying to think with him, Mm. then we notice those moments when we're not thinking with him. I'm just thinking, I'm going to make her lose or whatever it might be. Uh, I can go back and connect with God. And we know how to do that. We, you know, we quiet ourselves, we take mm. some deep breaths, uh, and we start thinking of things that make us thankful of God's presence in our lives. We try to remember those things. Mm. Uh, those are all things that we've talked about in other contexts, but those are ways to reconnect with God. Mm. And I remember two friends of mine um, who had figured out the week that Jesus was going to return to the earth, the, the you know, uh, they said, well, no one has been told the day or the hour, but we've got the week figured out. And so they were going to Jerusalem so that they could be there when Jesus came back to earth. And I remember saying to them, what do you want me to say to you when you come back from Jerusalem? Because <laughs> I didn't think there was, <laughs> <you know. laughs> And I remember my friend just stopped and looked down for a while and, oh. and looked back up. And he said, just be kind. <laughs> All right, so when we've got our friends, Christians who think they've got it, there might be an enemy mode themselves. If we say, I'm going to connect with God and I'm just going to be kind, that will you see, yeah. it's not up to us to persuade everybody no. to think correctly, but God wants us to be who He created us to be, and being kind is a central thing to that. So we think to ourselves, okay. I don't know how to get through to them, but I'm going to stay connected to God and I'm going to be kind. Uh, Those two things will pretty reliably get us out of enemy mode. Uh, Of course, uh, the thing with most Christians that I know of uh, is that they've never really thought they could connect with God
0: that was my next uh comment was if you've (laughs) never
1: done that it sounds totally mystifying like okay well i don't know what you're talking about what
0: you're what you're really proposing jim is that christian culture as we have known it pretty much since the enlightenment um be re-established with different values um And Lieutenant, we're working on a book right now talking about that, but that Mm -hmm. because we have to shift from knowledge and belief, right, as the most important thing to connecting with God and each other relationally, as Mm -hmm. the most important thing, can we have this interactive, consistent, simultaneous connection with God? Every minute of every day, which none of us can, right? But like, what if we, what if the Christian life was about practicing that in every time we get together? That's what we practiced Mm -hmm. connecting heart to heart with each other, attuning with each other, telling appreciation stories, building joy, building belonging, and then listening to God together and practicing. And what if, what if that were the center of who we were as Christ followers?
1: And about a thousand years ago, St. Clair of Assisi, uh, actually, probably the first, prominent woman Christian writer Mm. was writing about this theme that it's about loving God and connecting with him that's the center Mm. uh, of it and John Huss when he did his Mm. uh, reformation before Luther and the other people came along uh, his main point was that it really isn't about the the doctrines that Mm you have exactly right. It's whether you actually live like the presence of Jesus. And so mm-hmm. there's been these voices all throughout history yes. um, saying, you know, it's, it's actually loving God that is the most transformative thing. And when you love God, you realize uh, that who you think you are, isn't who you are going to be. And that's where this relational Christianity um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: uh has, I think, some pretty deep roots. uh, And uh, Jim, one of the questions,
0: sorry, one of the questions that you gave us in our track Thrive Track 3, when my husband and I were there about Mm -hmm. this specific thing, you had us think about an enemy um, that we were fighting with, or someone that, you know, we thought hated us or whatever. And you had us imagine them. And what'd you say?
1: Usually our kids.
0: (laughs) Well, it was a a Christian coworker, but anyway. Okay, there you go. (laughs) that too. Mm-hmm. And um and you said, you know, I want you to now connect with Jesus in appreciation and find his presence and I did and and the question you gave me, I mean, I use it every single time now. And it it was just, God, how do you feel about that person? How mm-hmm. do you feel about them? And and what do you want me to know about them? And mm-hmm. um and hands down, I have found as as you knew when you gave us that exercise that he actually delights in every single person. <laughs> I don't it's know so how weird, he does it,
1: but it's true, yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And um, and I loved it when I was reading this book today because you know that was years and years and years ago. But as I was reading it today, you actually called it something which I'd never heard uh called before, and you called it third party rescue attachment,
2: <laughs> yeah. hmm. Mm -hmm.
0: That if I'm unattached to someone that I should be attached or could be attached to, there's a third party, which in this case is God who has Mm -hmm. an attachment with them. And I can actually tap into their attachment to him because I'm attached to God (laughs) and then kind of borrow their delight for that person and get me out of enemy mode which is just Mm -hmm. brilliant so to actually read the brain science today was was super fun for me um as i was preparing for this it's really
1: great that we're wired for that it's you know the brain science part is called acquired value so uh someone if if i'm attached to someone and they're attached to a third person uh that person acquires value immediately to my brain due to the attachment uh you know that we share with somebody and. So God's that, uh, that mm-hmm. one who's, that can share that value with us. But only if we actually have an attachment to him, which is different than believing in him. We can believe all kinds of things about God. It doesn't make us attached. Yeah. But attached is this thing that says, you know, you give me life. Mm. You know, I wouldn't, you know, uh, the disciples said, who else has the words of life? You know, who, who else can we be around that actually makes me feel alive? And so now the question becomes, what part of us is feeling alive? Is it our own self-image that we're pumping up? Our pseudo-self, our false self, or are we actually growing into the person God meant us to be? And is that part becoming more alive? And that's been, I think, the downfall when the, of, of the mainline Christian church. And that is that we've gotten pretty good at acting as if we were Christians, yeah. Uh, we have a a a pseudo self uh, uh, which we work very very hard to produce and and even worse, we push our pastors like crazy to produce this pseudo self you know I want you to be the yes. super christian oh, yeah. of some kind or another yeah. uh, and so we think the the better that looks, the more mm-hmm. scripture it can quote the more whatever all those things out uh that that'll actually change our character, but those beliefs don't actually um grow the right the right part of ourself and uh, mm-hmm. and so mm-hmm. the funny thing is our true self is always embodied in our brain we are we can feel what we feel in our bodies which most christians say well you must be new age you just talked about bodies right yeah. you know as all god didn't incur, uh, you know put jesus into a body for a you know well yeah. then, okay so we are there's something about christianity that's embodied and attached it's relational that really distinguishes us uh that combination from any other religion i know of
0: it as you talk about this it also makes me i kept thinking of the threefold cord is not quickly broken right because and that explains why too which was really beautiful Mm -hmm. and then it made me think of john kent and i in luke 10 we are the the three that that run the organization and do all the writing and, and content and stuff. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it was so funny because I identified with that story in the book. Like if John and I have an issue and all of a sudden he's in enemy mode, I'll call Kent
2: Right, right. <laughs> and mm-hmm. Kent
0: backs me off the ledge, you know, and same with John yep. and Kent and me and mm-hmm. John. And it's like, when there's three, we always have each other's back. And I know that one of them will help me see what I'm not seeing. Right.
1: Uh, <laughs> so, exactly. In the design God made Yep.
0: when God's mm-hmm. not there to do it or, or when I can't connect to God to do it. Thankfully,
1: yeah, yeah, I have a human
0: uh, there that can help me. <laughs>
1: that's right. I tell my friends straight out, I'm in enemy mode. Can I borrow your Wi-Fi to God? Can you connect <laughs> to him for me? <laughs> because right, right now, I, I can't.
2: <laughs> that's right.
0: It also reminds me of Crispin Mayfield's newest book this year called Attached to God. And I'm wondering if you've read it yet, Jim.
1: Uh, no, I actually haven't had a chance to read it. Okay, uh, you've been very heard- busy.
0: You've been very yeah. busy. So mm-hmm. I can totally understand that. But I just want to give him a shout out. Because honestly, um, from what I've, I've interviewed him a few times and, and met with him. And mm-hmm. he does not know about Life Model Works or you yet. Uh, I mean, he knows about you because of me now. But I mean, mm-hmm. he, he had not discovered you on his own. Mm-hmm. And yet this book. Um, is is going to be an, a, an amazing resource for everyone in this relational revolution that are trying to get their head around this, because mm-hmm. he breaks down the attachment styles and how, they, uh, how, how our attachment leanings affect how we connect to God, and um, names it beautifully, gives great illustrations. Uh, it, it's just a very anointed book, I think, for this time, for this conversation about attachment needing to be the center of what church is all about.
1: Yeah, I think there's two wonderful things about that, where the life model is trying to portray what the ideal is like. They're always asking uh, us, you know, well, can you describe what the, uh, what the kind of insecure attachments, the fearful attachments are like? You know, can you help us identify those patterns? And it's, I've heard about his book that, that he does that. The second yes. thing I, that just makes me so delighted is when I'm the only voice Uh, talking about relational Christianity, I think to myself, well, it could be my obsession. But when people who have had no (laughs) connection whatsoever are hearing the same thing from God and writing about it, it makes me just so much more confident that, you know, we're part of something much bigger God's been trying to tell us. And so it's just so exciting to hear that God's talking to other people and they're hearing the same thing
0: yes yeah that that was a big encouragement for me too and he's so young too which is just blows my mind (laughs) blows my mind so super excited to Mm -hmm. uh for the communities to to get to know each other and i think that's another place where luke 10 is hoping to make a difference is just helping people discover each other that are out there feeling this these these stirrings but not knowing who to belong to or how to belong because they don't have anyone they know that actually is living this way or wanting to train or wanting to practice these things. Mm-hmm. And so hoping to get the word out to multiple organizations and multiple people so that um, they can see all that God's doing. And the the breath is amazing of how Very he's hopeful. bringing people around. Um, it's just exciting. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we briefly touched on, on, How do we respond when we're with Christians or churches in churches that are still in this other paradigm um, and how we self-regulate, try to connect to God simultaneously to see his heart for this church or these people Mm -hmm. um, so that we can stay in relational mode. My question now turns to, and I know we're almost out of time and thank you for giving your time today, Um, but just naming some of the issues with current church culture sometimes feels uh, from people within that culture still that we're attacking them and that we've we're enemy mode towards them Mm
2: -hmm.
0: and while yes we can be at any given moment (laughs) um i am not beyond that still right um every minute um Mm -hmm. we're you know i know john and kent and i are are longing to move into a space of compassion for all of the stages of Christian development, all the stages of maturity and, and different organizations are in different stages. Right. And so we're not, we're not trying to harm current Christian culture or insult or abuse or, or be an enemy mode against them, but, but name some of these problems that you're naming and invite them into something different. And, beyond our own individual work and work together to to keep our eye on jesus through this and keep his heart for everyone involved how would what, what would you say to that particular situation and maybe that's kind of different than most people are in but it just happens to be where we are right now and i'd love your thoughts on that
1: yeah well the the thought leaders are struggling with this and so uh, yeah the Well, of course, one of the things it says in the book, which uh, I think is a point that we really have to go back to, and that is anybody in enemy mode that is running a brain in a configuration that cannot tell that other people are not in enemy mode. So an enemy mode brain uh, has shut off the attachments, right? Uh, That's the thing. And so when you're in enemy mode, it feels to your brain because the only thing it's computing is enemy mode stuff, that whatever comes out of the other person's mouth has got to be an attack. It's got to be enemy mode coming at them. So someone in enemy mode always sees people, even those who are trying to help them, as attacking. Wow. Well, then that's the problem we know going in. So if we know that when... we will be perceived as attacking uh, re- when we're trying to help, it really helps us you know, prepare to go in. Okay. Uh, and the thing that we're going to drop into will be, um, intelligent enemy mode. That's the most likely response. Uh, cause usually these people are being intelligent towards us. Uh, I mean, every once in a while they'll lose it and get into stupid enemy mode and just scream and yell. Uh, but you know, you just back out of that and try you know, to not get bitten, but, um, uh, unless you're really good at this sort of thing, but, uh, <laughs> So here we got people we know we're going to be in enemy mode because mm. they believe that their value comes from being right, which is a very northern European value. Mm. Uh, and so people who are trying very hard to be right uh, are not actually listening to God and and mm. Um, mm. but they're trying to uh, defend God, which is even harder position than than any human being should really be put in. Um, but what our, our temptation is when we're faced with that is what do I need to do in order to prove that you're wrong? Um, and the, the other side of it is, what do I need to do in order to get results? Mm-hmm. Now results almost mm-hmm. always pulls out our um, as if self. Because as a self, as I'm going to bring out the parts of myself that will get the best results around here, as opposed to uh, who did God create me to be, which is the question Mm -hmm. almost no one asks in those conditions. Mm
2: -hmm. So
1: if we were to change our question inside, uh, again, we're going to borrow God's attachment and said, okay, I know when I go to talk to this person, they'll go into enemy mode. Mm -hmm. They will be sure that I'm attacking them in, in enemy mode. So first of all, does God want me to go talk with them? All right, he does. We'll say he does. Um,
0: But maybe he doesn't, right? Maybe maybe they're not ready. Maybe he says, no, they're experimenting, and they need to do that a little longer. They don't even Mm -hmm. want to talk to you.
2: (laughs) They're not ready. Yeah,
1: there's this interesting story with Jesus and his brothers where they say, you should go down to Jerusalem if you're the king. And he says, any time is the right time for you. But I listen to God's timing. And so he leaves and goes down to Jerusalem the next day. I think really one day makes a difference. Yes. One day (laughs) can make a difference. So we listen to God. We, we follow him, but when he has us there, uh, Paul says, pray for me that I will be given the words to speak as I should. It's part of the uh, armor of God passage. Um, And that is what did God design me to say? Mm -hmm. Who did he design me to be? Can I stay myself while I, while you're in enemy mode? Mm -hmm. And, If we go to persuasion, how do we get results and make them lose? We grow our as if self
2: Mm. and
1: we go for the win. If we Uh go, well, God has me here and all he wants me to be is who he created me to be. So let me stay focused on that. Mm. uh, There's this very perplexing thing because uh, uh, if you're warm, engaged, relational in the presence of somebody in enemy mode, If they're at all sensitive to God, uh, they start picking up this person is not doing, I'm predicting they're going to do this and this and this. And my brain is mystified because they're not doing all the things that I would predict uh, they would be doing under these conditions. They're acting like somebody else. Now, sometimes you just walk out of there looking weird to the person. But if that's what God wanted them to do, it's like, you know, huh, you know, He wanted them to see something different. And now I've been who I was meant to be. And mm. uh, and so we go back into this wow. very peculiar spiritual life in which we're connecting with God. We're expressing. Here's what I like to say. Uh, this is one of my most favorite exercises uh, in, in the whole world. And that is uh, you quiet yourself. You look inside and see how God feels uh, about you and the other person. And now share your face with God so whatever's on your face is the same expression that's on jesus face as he's talking to this person and if i can keep myself in that zone where jesus has got my face while i'm talking to that person whatever jesus wanted done will be the outcome and there's one thing about jesus i just don't like and that was in the the prophecy that uh was made over him as a baby, this child has appeared so that the secret thoughts of many hearts will be revealed. And so Jesus is more interested in revealing what's in people's hearts than in getting results. Uh, and sometimes when we go to talk to someone, we reveal what's in their hearts. Um, wow. When what I wanted to much more was like, come on, Jesus, let's go for the win here. Um, wow. And so you walk out and say, well, I revealed what was in that heart. It was kind of dark and dirty, I think. Um, but that's what God had in mind. Uh, Mm -hmm. And and again, this is moving into the the larger flow. See, I think most Christians who are serious about their Christianity think of God as their major assistant. Mm -hmm. So God is here to help me do my life and do it better. Instead of us being the, the ones who are joining into the river of God, and we're going to see where he's taking us, and we'll go there with him. Um, mm-hmm. If we go into these conflicts with God as my assistant, we're going to end up being very frustrated because mm-hmm. God doesn't always go for the win, He goes for the reveal. Um, and, um, wow. you know, if, so I, I, that keeps us out of the false self, the as if self. Uh, mm-hmm. And uh, there's a lot of things that I've sort of hinted at there that. Yeah. I think will make sense to people who who have gone a ways along their spiritual paths. Yeah. It would be very, I think, a very confusing first conversation to have with anybody. But so some of the things I'm hearing you say, some of the things
0: I'm hearing you say that, that land with me is one, no matter what we do or how we communicate, like in our book, for example, there are gonna be people that are in enemy mode and they will feel attacked no matter what. Like No matter how well we do it. So for the person Mm -hmm. like me who wants to please everyone or make sure I get it right, Mm -hmm. there's no right that could actually make sure no one goes into enemy mode because they're already there when they read it, probably. And then they're gonna assume we're there. Absolutely. Because that's just who they are. So that that's one thing someone needs Mm -hmm. to take into consideration. Yep. And then also try to stay simultaneously connected to Jesus as we're writing, continuing to feel how he feels about those that were even challenging or that we're trying to reveal to some degree and then mm-hmm. realize that the results of the book might, they might not be the results we want, it, but, and, that, and then we shouldn't have even an aim for like specific results, even possibly, but just to reveal that God will use it to reveal what needs to be revealed in all of our hearts so that he can take his church where he wants it to go. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah, yeah, that's, uh, you know, you can always work on how do we express this so people understand it best, but your, your book is not intended as a manipulation. It's opening a door into what God is uh, trying to encourage all of us to find. And, uh, and not everyone takes that well.
0: Yeah. The other thing I heard you say that I want to make sure I note again is, um, is that our design is important to God. He has designed us for a reason. Um, you know, we have a, a, a seminary professor and we have an, a mm-hmm. retired pastor and then myself, who's more of a trainer and, um, and that he, we're writing this for a reason, our designs I- implied here. And so mm-hmm. people who are like, well, I don't like that you sound like a seminary professor. <laughs> well, That's who God made yeah. me to be. So maybe mm-hmm. that's not a real bad thing.
1: <laughs> uh, no, that's, but- You know, Paul sounds pretty much like a uh, well-trained rabbi in a lot of his writings. You know, it's like uh, that's why I think that's why Is a James that says, you know, some people find Paul hard to read, you know, hard to understand. Well, yes, I suppose he would. Uh, (laughs) But God's pleased with that. So what can we do about it? Uh, You know, the thing about this is an intelligent intelligence much higher than us is putting together ingredients that don't always make sense to us when we look at them. Wow.
2: wow.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much. I, I know this is probably more for me than anyone listening today, but <laughs> I hope that others are able to glean from this as well, but this is just very helpful for us at the the stage that we are in right now. And, and the things that we're struggling with. So Jim, anything else as we're almost out of time, but anything else that you have not been able to say yet that you would like to say that you think is important or that's on mm-hmm. your
1: heart? Yeah. Well, going back to the, you know, the feeling honored that, you know, I'm, I am, uh, on your podcasts and and things like that. Um, I had a conversation with God one time uh, as part of a, a series of conversations, but the, the three conversations that uh, that I, I'm sort of lining up in my mind would be probably worth telling people about. Uh, the first one was I was out hiking and mm-hmm. looking at Magnificent pine trees, and as I was sitting there listening to God, He said, "You've never seen a pine tree." And I thought to myself, "What? You know, it's all I've been doing all day." And then He said, "These pine trees you're looking at are not nothing like the ones I created." And I knew He wasn't talking about pine trees. He was talking about people. He's created us mm-hmm. to be kinds of beings that we've never imagined uh, that we were. Wow. And then I was having another conversation, and the person asked me, um, this was time I was talking with a, with a, with another man, he said, would you rather be a big part of something small or a small part of something big? And I remember thinking to myself, no, I'd rather be a small part of something big. And uh, so I then I'll always... Uh, began to collect people and so the the life model and things that i do uh talk about have actually been collected by and tested and and all those things by a large number of people and it's just sort of my job to be the spokesperson for it and finally i was talking with god i said why did you give me this assignment um to you know sort of put together a new model of what it means to be human beings because you see the church is still running on a on a model of what it means to be human, an anthropology that's about uh, four or five hundred years before Christ—one that was developed by the Greeks—and um, you know that's really not how human beings operate. But it's the one the church has adapted to, and and so we've got these—you know—sort of like the revolution with Copernicus uh, over the Earth rotating around the sun or the sun around the earth, you know, it's like, no, what we, how we think people operate isn't the way the church has been talking about it. So, um, you know, what is this new view, which we're, you know, we've had hints to all along that we're really attachment creatures that, you know, grow a, a self based on finding a mind that is greater than ours and who loves and cares about us and can tell us who we really are. And as that's how we were designed, you know, then a lot of the way the Greeks talked about it doesn't make sense. But so I said, you know, uh, why did you choose me for this? And God told me you weren't my first choice, but you said yes. <laughs> and some people think uh, that I must have felt insulted, but I didn't actually feel insulted. I realized if I wasn't his first choice, then he wasn't looking for, here's somebody who's so capable, who the, you know, uh, out of their own ability can make this thing happen. He's just looking for someone that will follow a bigger mind than his own. Mm. uh, And, uh, you know, and then say, here's what we're learning. And Mm -hmm. so uh, I would encourage everybody to realize, let's go back to God's being a bigger mind than our own. Uh, and let's say yes to what he, he wants to show us and uh, then we'll tell others and people go wow that's great and it, it's fun to be a part of that conversation
2: mm-hmm. and
1: that's why it's been fun to be a part of this podcast because we're all people who are listening to the greater mind and going here's what he's telling me and when two or three of us say yeah he told me that too we go like yeah i'm pretty confident this is what he's trying to get us to to know and follow and And then we look at each other and say, what what does that mean? What does that imply? (laughs) What a wonderful place to be. Thanks for being part of that, Tony.
0: Thank you, Jim. So, so thankful to have you today and be able to have this conversation with you. Um, love to you and um, whatever your pro your next project. I mean, do you have a letdown after this where you're just depressed after doing this for a while and you just go walk, walk in trees? Like what? how do you process after launching a book like this?
1: <laughs> oh, well, uh, if you saw the folder of books that I put Potential books that I'd like to write if I could just get time. Uh, What after launching a book like this, the thing that just drives me crazy is the social media stuff. Like, can you, uh, you know, can you post on uh, Instagram or something like that about it? Like, no, I want to write another book, you know. Oh, goodness. You want to get
2: back in there.
1: Yeah, I want to get back (laughs) in there. So, uh, yeah, I'm having to do all of the proper. You know maintenance and service that you have to do with it. With the new book, you've you've done all of that. You know about it. Yes, and,
0: exhausting. Yeah, uh, I would yeah. give that up in a heartbeat too. You know <laughs> that's
1: that's where it is. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm I'm uh, actually going back and right now cleaning up a few books that, or one book in particular needs some revisions and updates. Uh, and so yeah, I'm back to writing, uh, yeah. but uh, we'll see. uh, We'll see which one comes next. I still have too many ideas. I have to pick one.
0: Well, thank you so much. Thank you.
1: Um, Lovely to be with you.
0: And and I will see you in other circles at different times. All right. Take care.
1: Blessings to everyone. Bye. Goodbye.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Joyfield and Jesus Led. Do you have an interactive connection with God? Can you sense God's presence all the time, no matter where you are or what is happening around you? Can you feel His thoughts about others and let Him change and challenge the way you feel and think about others? If you do not have a streaming heart-to-heart connection with God and a habit to seek that connection, and yet you want one, enroll for training today with Luke 10 you're going to find resources and a community of practice to help you develop not only the skills, but the automatic habits necessary to stream God's presence continuously without interruption.